Grace 412 podcast listeners, we are back at it again. We started a new series last night out of 2 Corinthians that we're calling Why Should I Praise? We're leading into the Thanksgiving season talking about um, what it looks like to praise, not just in the good times, not just in the success, not just on the mountaintops, but in the valley, in the darkness, in the difficulty. And so uh, we talked about the culture around us, the world around us that just seems to be uh, in a rut, in a difficult place that you look at 2020, you look at even just the last year, you look at uh, the social landscape, the economic landscape, the political landscape, there's uh, health issues, there's just so many different things going on around the world. And it's so easy for us to feel defeated, to feel broken, to feel hopeless, to feel lost, to feel like we don't have anything to give thanks and to give praise for. And so we're looking at the book of 2 Corinthians where we're studying out this this church that really had the ultimate comeback story, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to them, uh, giving them a hard time. He's really uh, coming down on them a little bit and he's trying to call them up and he's saying, hey, you know, he says stuff like uh, quit getting drunk. He says stuff like quit sleeping with one another, right? And then you get to 2 Corinthians. By 2 Corinthians, uh, they're being martyred for their faith. They're actually owning their faith. They're actually being uh, a people of praise. And Paul writes to them to encourage them. And so tonight we're going to get into this idea of why should I praise uh, when it all seems so dark? The world around them was so dark. They were being tortured. They were being martyred. They were being persecuted. Uh, and we're going to answer the question, why should I praise? Why would they praise when it all seems so dark? But before we do that, we're going to look at a couple of practical things as well, the the hows and the whats. And then we're going to end with, uh, most importantly, the why. And so we're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So we actually get a bit of the why right here at the very beginning of why should I praise? Because we're preaching not ourselves, verse 5 but of Christ Jesus. The first what we have to to understand is get out of the way. What do we do when the world seems so dark, when things seem so difficult, when we're dealing with oppression or persecution or, or pain or problems or difficulty? We get out of the way. Because of verse 5, he, we, he says, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. He says, If our gospel is hid, it's hidden to them that are lost. The world is dark. We can't expect the world to do anything but fall further into brokenness, further into the depths of depravity, further into the depths of darkness. But he says, if it's hidden, it's him to them that are lost. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded their eyes. But he says, but we don't preach ourselves. We continue to preach Christ Jesus the Lord and him crucified. It seems like for these people in Corinth, they had begun to worship. They had begun to give God glory. They had begun to serve him. They had begun to praise him. And it seems like they were getting nowhere. The outside world was only getting darker. The outside world was only getting more broken. The outside world was only getting more difficult to deal with. But Paul says, hey, listen, 
if the gospel is hidden, it's hidden to them because of Satan, because of the darkness of this world, because of the deceiver. But he says, you're not preaching yourselves. It's not about you proving anything to them. It's not about you showing them anything other than Jesus. He says, get out of the way. And the same is true for us today. We, we look at the world around us and we think, how could it get any worse than it is right now? And we look at the world around us and we think, how could I make a difference? How could I have an impact? And one of the best ways that we can make a difference and make an impact is to get out of the way and stop preaching ourselves and our theories and our morality and our convictions even. And we start preaching again, Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves servants for his sake. He goes on to talk about it in verse six. He says, God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And he has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He says, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellency of the power of God might be in us or it uh, might be of God and not in us. We have this, uh, this treasure. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell inside of us. He has joined his life to ours. And the point of that is so that we and others would see his power and not our power. And a lot of people think about that and they say, man, that's so prideful of God that he would uh, want to keep us, you know, that we would be broken so that he could keep himself at the center of all. And I would just say, first of all, uh, God's creator of the universe, if anyone's allowed to be proud, it's him, okay? And if you don't like that the creator of the universe is proud of himself and his abilities and his sovereignty, then you can create your own universe, right? And you can do what you want with that universe. But we have a creator God who uh, wants to display his power and his authority. He wants his excellency to be on display. And for us, that shouldn't push against our pride, but it should be freeing because it helps us to understand that our joy is no longer hinged upon our circumstances. My satisfaction is no longer uh, hinged upon my successes. See, if we want to see what humanity looks like when we have control and when we have the power and when we have the authority, look around and you'll see what the world is pursuing its own satisfaction looks like. It's dark. It's broken. It's deceived. And that's what's happening in Corinth. First Corinthians, they're pursuing their own things. Second Corinthians, they're pursuing Jesus. But the world around them now is giving them a hard time, is, is making it difficult. And you see that in verse 8. He says, hey, we're troubled on every side but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. He says, we're troubled. We're beaten. We're distressed. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We used this illustration of, uh, of a light bulb in a, in a paper bag, right? That's the treasure, the Holy Spirit of God in this earthly vessel. And we, we illustrated that people say things that cut us and we, we, we tear the bag up and people say things that, that hurt us and we're beaten and we're distressed and, and we're cast down, right? Just like the people in Corinth by relationship trouble, by, by anxiety and fear and frustration sometimes, by the pains of this world even. But if you, if you consider this illustration that as the bag gets more ripped, as the, the thing carrying the treasure gets more damaged, as, as more of it falls away, the more broken and opened up 
the bag is, the vessel is, the earthly vessel is, the more of the light shines through, the more of the treasure that's on display. The less of the bag you see, the more of the light you see, the less of me you see, the more of Jesus you are able to see. So he says, we're troubled on every side. Yeah, we're troubled but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. And he gives the reason in verse 10. He says, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life works in you. He says, verse 10, that the life of Jesus would be manifest in our body. Every situation is an opportunity for us to make much of Jesus. There's a song that we love to sing, Yet Not I But Through Christ, where the verse says, uh, The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. By my side, the Savior will stay. I labor on in weakness and, dis- and rejoicing. In weakness and and rejoicing, troubled but not destroyed, cast down, right? Perplexed, right? Beaten, distressed, but not in despair. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing because in my need, his power is displayed. The first step is that we would get out of the way. The second one's a little bit harder to take. The second step is get over yourself. Get over yourself. It's not all about you. The Christian life is not meant to bring you praise, to bring you glory, and to bring you satisfaction. It's about Jesus. Get out of the way and get over yourself. See, a lot of us, what we try to do, if you remember this illustration, we try to tape the bag up. We try to piece ourselves together. We we try to look like we have it all together, to seem smart, to seem strong, to seem intellectual, to seem uh, even like a good person of faith, right? But what that usually does is it makes us look worse as people see right through us and it hides the light of Jesus. It hides the good news of the gospel. It hides the hope that we should have in him and it puts the focus on us. I want to give an example. Uh, A lot of people know our story that uh, several years ago, Emily and I lost a baby to miscarriage. It was March of 2018. We lost a baby to miscarriage, and at the time, I think that we we kind of were able to be a light. You know, we we dealt with it as best we could. We tried to stay positive. We tried to uh, to point people to Jesus and our hope in Him. Uh, you know, it was very surface level, though, for the most part. Uh, in September of 2019, it had been another year and a half. We're going on almost two years of not having a baby, and you guys know that we got a puppy. And you know we love our dog, right? But by October of 2019, I was at an, a, a low of lows. Uh, you couple a little bit of seasonal depression with a lack of sleep from having a puppy, which by the way, having a puppy is almost as much work as having a baby, a human child. Um, but I realized that for Emily, this, this puppy had given her something to nurture and something to care for and something to sort of mother in a way. But for me, uh, it made me realize I had never actually coped with losing 
our child and not having a child still. See, for me, the puppy just stood as a reminder that we didn't have a real baby. And I was broken and I realized that I had had tried to tape myself up. I had tried to piece myself together. And though I was troubled on every side, though I was perplexed, I didn't fully understand the plan of God. I had tried to be strong because Emily needs me, our church needs me, and it had left me in distress. It had left me feeling broken and destroyed and in despair. See, what I realized was I had tried to hold myself together and I had tried to make the earthly vessel look good instead of remembering verse 10, always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When I realized it wasn't my light that anyone needed, it wasn't my strength or my intellect that anyone needed, everything changed. I realized verse 5 that that I don't preach myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That Remember verse 7, that this treasure is in earthly vessels. It's not about the earthly vessel. It's not about me. I had to get over myself and realize it is about Him and His plan and His glory. And then in December of 2019, coming up on almost two years of uh, infertility following the miscarriage, I was able to pull back the facade a little bit. I was able to be a little more open and a little more broken. And at the night of worship, uh, I talked about uh, our, our infertility. I talked about the fact that we desired a child that we still hadn't gotten, that we may never get. And I made this statement. I said, God is good because of who he is, not because of what he does. And I charged our people with that same statement, that the reality that if God doesn't heal, if God never gives us a child, if God brings us through 10 more miscarriages, if we lose the child he, he now gave us, we will trust that he is doing something eternal in it, that he has a purpose beyond what we can see. And then in March of 2020, um, in the middle of quarantine, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of a lot of people's most difficult life season, uh, when we don't get to celebrate Easter together, our church put out a, a night of worship online. And Emily and I were able to share a video uh, talking about how she had become pregnant, that we were expecting a child, that God had blessed us in this way. And once again, we were able to explain that God was not blessing us because he had given us a child. That God was not doing something good for us now and had done something bad for us then. That God is always only ever good. And we were able to explain to them that we worship a God who is deserving of our praise, not because of us, not because of the earthly vessel, not because of our circumstance, not because of our situation, but we praise a God even in the dark because it is about his plan and his glory. Less of me, less of me, less of me, more of the light on display, more of him, more of him, more of him, that we're being made like Jesus so that we can make much of Jesus. Paul says we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. He goes on, he says, hey, we're not, we're not discouraged, right, guys? 
But just in case uh, there's still some discouragement, he gives this eternal hope. Verse 13, he goes on, he says, hey, we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore I've spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise up us by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. He says, hey, we might die. We're, we're being uh, persecuted. We're being martyred for our faith. He says, even if that happens, our faith might lead others to repentance. He says, for all things are for your sake. All things, the good and the bad, the successes and the suffering, the pain and the joys. He says that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound. He says, we praise in the dark because our thanksgiving for all things might redound to the glory of God. He says, we're being persecuted. We're, we're, they were actually being oppressed, right? This isn't like, a, oh, I got a, da- a door slammed in my face or, oh, I was told that, you know, I'm a loser for being a Christian. Like, no, they were being staked through and lit on fire and used as torches to light the city streets. They were being oppressed and persecuted. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, but even in this, your thanksgiving for this thing is going to redound, is going to result in the glory of God. And then he goes on to explain it even more in verse 16. He says, for this cause we faint not. He says, our outward man, though it perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, this this light affliction it pales in comparison to the eternal purpose of God. So the last what we get out of the way, uh, the second thing is we, we get over ourselves, and the last thing is we get clear on our purpose. Verse 18, he says, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We get clear on our purpose. We have an eternal purpose. Our light affliction is but for a moment, but it works in us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our purpose is to become more like Jesus so we can make much of Jesus. Why should we praise when it all seems dark? Why should we praise when the world around us is, is falling apart, is, is literally going to hell in a handbasket, right? That our thanksgiving might redound to the glory of God, that the world around us would see not us, would not see the earthly vessels, would not hear our message, but that they would hear Christ and Christ Jesus crucified, that they would give him glory. What do we have to be thankful for? What do we have to praise God for? It's Jesus. He is the prize. He is the goal. He is the purpose of it all. And when my goal is to be more like Jesus so I can make much of Jesus, I can always find joy. Because in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation, I can become more like Jesus and make much of Jesus. There's a line in a song that I've been listening to uh, kind of on repeat lately And in the bridge, uh, I thought it was one of those, oh, this is just redundant. It just repeats itself over and over because they say in everything, with everything, for everything, thank you, Jesus. But as I listen to it more and more, I realize these ideas are not exclusive. They're, They're working together and they're a prayer of our heart as believers in everything, with everything, 
and for everything. Thank you, Jesus. That is our prayer in the dark time, in the difficult time, in the pain, in the suffering, that the thanksgiving of many might redound to the glory of God, that we would say in everything, with everything, and for everything, Thank you, Jesus. We're going to continue this series next week as we go through 2 Corinthians, this series, Why Should I Praise? We've only got a couple more weeks left of Life Group, so hopefully you guys will be tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.